Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. I'm kicking it off Teacher Appreciation Week, which starts May 2nd. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Jess Goslin on with us, and she is an international teacher. And I met her on LinkedIn. She is a teacher in Taiwan, but she's taught in many different countries and she's actually to be moving on to teach in Poland soon. And she's also an author of the book, Becoming a Successful International Teacher. She is also uh, a leader in an organization called Women Ed and started that in Taiwan um, and is looking to start her own podcast called The Teacher Hug Radio. So so much development, um, such an interesting background and story, and I'm so excited to have you on today, Jess. Thanks, Jackie. It's really wonderful to be on here. So my first question for you is your inspiration to get into education. Like, did that spark happen in childhood and, you know, early adult years, or when did that inspiration kind of come to you? Yeah, I was thinking about this question quite a bit, actually. Um, and I think, there wasn't so much inspiration, but there was many uh, moments when I worked with children um, or I was babysitting or I was with my friends, siblings, that I really enjoyed their company and I really um, felt like it wasn't working. For example, my work experience was um, in a library of all places and um, their favorite part of that was storytelling to the children there. Mm. But I never made any sort of assumption that I could be a teacher. I think at that stage, I thought you had to be very responsible and very grown up. And I didn't really think I was either of those things. So I went to university um, and then following university, I, I went through that questioning period. I think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw some opportunities for teaching in Japan. Mm. And I thought, well, I could go with a degree um, and go and try out teaching. So um, my partner at the time, we'd only been together for something like a year. We saved up and we decided we'd do this together and live together for the first time as well. Wow! So that was a very big adventure. He um, really wanted to go and travel and work. I really wanted to try teaching. Mm -hmm. And it combined really, really well, because I think um, from that first experience of being an English language teacher in primary schools, they were across um, Japan. Mm So like um, I had about 18 schools in my first year and, and something like 2000 children we worked out Wow. Um, rather than putting me off, which you've maybe <laughs> expect. Um, it really made me feel, no, I really want to go back and get qualified in my home country. And um, teaching is really what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it also came around from working in offices and working mm-hmm. in um, jobs that didn't challenge me and weren't mm-hmm. social and I was really just almost doing a job that a computer could have done. Um, mm. And I felt very unsatisfied with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm. a really big part of teaching that I really, really love um, the whole social aspect and um, getting to know so many little people and, <laughs> and helping them and developing mm. them um, and empowering them at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, that was my inspiration, I feel, uh, my, my sort of childhood experiences. But it, there was never a moment where mm. I thought, 
um, I want to be a teacher. This is me. Um, yeah. My family also, they're, there's they're a working class background. Um, mm. They're very much um, into, my dad was a roofer. Um, mm-hmm. My mom, a housewife. They, they weren't into school or education. Mm-hmm. So a great deal of luck, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's just, it was kind of like a journey you had to take and you're so right. Like your first year at college university for many, I think is still finding your way. And I often tell my students this because I teach 11th and 12th graders that you don't need to have it all figured out and you're going to be an adult and you still don't have it figured out. And it is okay to change your career multiple times, or maybe you do find that path, like being a teacher And it's just like, this is who I am. And I love that you said that, and not to take away from anyone working in like office, you know, kind of workplaces or, but um, I find that same, you know, um, kind of connection to teaching as well. It is challenging in a very good way. Obviously there are challenges that are difficult, Um, but it's something new every single day. Mm -hmm. You can have a lesson and a plan but those connections with kids or how they're going to respond to you or how they're going to light up, right. When they're mm-hmm. learning, that's different every single day. And it's really exciting. And mm-hmm. you don't feel like, yeah, just a computer can do this or just someone who's following kind of like a script can do this. Like it really does take someone to pay attention and be very observant of yeah. children. They're, you know, the way they're interacting with each other, interacting with you, picking up on your cues. Um, you have to have a lot of like, you know, perception. Um, Mm. But I love that because I think often the bad rap, at least in America about teachers is like, well, you know, anybody could be a teacher. And I'm Mm -mm. like, no, it is, it's a gift and a talent and you can hone Mm -hmm. it, but I think it can be really much internally part of you and not everyone could be a teacher. And there are a lot of teachers (laughs) who start it and they leave and that's fine. That's why I say to my students, you can have another career in your life. Um, Not everyone can do it. So thank you for sharing Mm. that. Um, So my next question, and you kind of were talking about that, and maybe this is after you got your your formal training certificate, like your first or early teaching experiences, and maybe something Mm. that was a story or specific kind of um, aha moment or challenge or something you learned, because I know those early Mm. years of really I remember Mm. like so many stories from my first year's teaching. Yeah, I think um, for me, like uh, when I was taught in the UK, I think it could be quite similar to the US um, Mm. from what I hear across (laughs) between Mm. the waters, that it was very, (laughs) very challenging. Um, And to be honest, there wasn't many aha moments because um, I think I was under a constant level of stress Mm. and you know, just worrying that I was doing it right. And there was so many, um, so many lessons in the day and so much assessment and feedback and meetings. And I just remember feeling absolutely exhausted. Um, Mm. I remember in those early years, something that really stood out though was um, we have PSHE, which Mm. is like a personal health, social education in the, in the UK. Um, And at that very, very early stage, I remember really feeling I excelled in that area and that being really, really important to me to develop like the social, emotional well-being mm-hmm. of the children. And I remember I had quite, um, a, I wouldn't say strict, I'd say um, a very strong head teacher that I, mm-hmm. I wanted to be brilliant for. And I remember she came to observe a lesson very early on. And it was in this subject, which is a bit unusual because usually it's English or math, you know, you're observed in. 
but I got outstanding um mm. and I just remember just feeling such like relief but also thinking mm. you know wow okay like this this is a big part of how I teach and it's very important mm. to me mm-hmm. um and then I think because I was like a I think it's your equivalent to grade three at that stage mm. and then when I went into international teaching in Egypt which was straight after the UK I mean there was a million aha moments because mm. I moved down to pre-k so I w- everything about that role is uh, PSHE, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And I can honestly say I loved every single moment. I know it sounds mm-hmm. like a stereotype, but <laughs> I was really, really in the perfect school, the perfect mm-hmm. moment, perfect leader. Um, we were mm-hmm. eight form entry, of all things, so it was huge, um, a really, really big school. But um, there was still a very closeness with the staff there. And, mm-hmm. and the children, um, uh, they're Egyptian, um, mixture of um muslim and also uh, christian children but they were just so morally well adjusted um i think that that's what i thought it would be like from then on in and hadn't realized <laughs> it was really um yeah. so the lessons i could teach them like we brought in a class um teddy bear and we we made him real of course and he made mm. they made a house for him and they thought of oh. activity for the him yeah. so it was like he became a member of our class he was on our class photos as well that is so sweet. um but they were very very caring children and i just felt i could just feed into that so much because mm. they were already you know a little way there mm-hmm. um and yeah i think that was a, a big aha moment knowing that mm. as teachers we have so much influence of mm-hmm. how a class can be together Mm-hmm. and how they can accept others like for example from even that early stage my teaching assistant was always called a teacher mm-hmm. I always said you know she is equal to me and if you know you have a problem you need to ask both of us and mm-hmm. they quickly learn I think that they need to develop respect for for everybody if you mm-hmm. really really portray that mm-hmm. similarly with everyone in the school you know like doing your your walks around the school and introducing them to the security man and um, mm-hmm. the cleaner and mm-hmm. um, you know the cook and making sure they're always thanking them for those mm-hmm. the jobs they're doing that's so important yeah um, so I think that that was my aha moment thinking I really really like this um, because it's not just about education which, <laughs> which is, sounds bad but you know that's a part of it no, yeah but I yeah. um there's also a huge part of it of helping develop these kids onto the right track um, yes. just to becoming good nice people yes <laughs> um, absolutely they care about each other um, yeah and I think that that's always given me the proudest moments um mm-hmm. when I left that first school in Egypt I remember the PE teacher ran up to me and she was really upset and I said you know what's wrong and she said well it's because you're leaving and my <laughs> daughter's going to come into pre-quick hey and I wanted you as the teacher oh. I see what you your class you know I have your class and other seven classes and I see how Mm. good they are to each other and I remember I think when it comes Mm. from someone so sincerely you can Mm -hmm. start believing that people are really telling you the truth Mm -hmm. because a lot of people I know have that but I have that a little bit that I I doubt Uh my I you know self-belief issues really you know I know in my 40s now that's what I have Um, Mm them and it's so lovely when kids or or parents justify Mm -hmm you know, how good you are as a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, there's so many points I can relate to, but just that last part, I'll start with, um, we are, we are our biggest critics. Teachers Mm -hmm. are so critical of themselves. Um, you have to have a tough skin in this industry. You really, really do. And those first years teaching, I mean, I, 
did not have the armor. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. many times that I, I cried. Um, mm-hmm. And I taught seniors my first year and I'm, tw- I was 22 years old. So that mm-hmm. was just really, really rough. <laughs> yeah, very rough. Um, but learned a lot. But when you get that feedback, it's so important to you mm-hmm. because you, it does, it justifies all the work you're putting in. You get that one card even, or that one nice comment, you know, even at the end of the year and you're like, it's all worth it. Right. Cause I'm mm-hmm. making that impact. Um, and I connect also with, I didn't teach internationally for a long time, but I taught in China for a summer. And then I also taught in Hawaii for five years, which is in America, but it's very, very much has this feeling of teaching in like another country. And I just connected with the kids so much in those uh, locations. And I felt um, they were just so respectful. Like, so they they saw teachers like up here, like, Mm -hmm. you know, how we put doctors and, you know, CEOs and everyone like up on a pedestal. I mean, those students really respected teachers um, and gave feedback all the time. So it wasn't like something where you just waited till the end of the year and you might get like Mm -hmm. a card. And that always stayed with me because, you know, for anyone listening out there, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, give your teachers praise, you know, I mean, there's so many good teachers and they really put their heart and soul into their lessons, but also to get to know children. Mm -hmm. They'll give them that feedback because often, uh, you know, we are thinking we're not doing well, right? Like maybe we're not making an impact. Maybe we, got that lesson wrong, or maybe they're not clicking with what we're trying to teach them. Um, so that feedback does really matter. And I don't know, I just, I love this story about Egypt. I think that's just so beautiful. And when it all just, it just fits like the teachers you work with, the administration, the Mm -hmm. families, the kids, like when it's just that beautiful place, you're just like, Oh, can I just replicate this and put this like all over the world? Yeah, that's so great that you had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately, the revolution happened while we were there as well. So, yeah, that kind of stopped it for a while. But we did go back and finish our contract. But yeah, that was a very, very difficult thing. Um, Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I can share about that. Yes. So, yeah, it was quite a big surprise. Um, Mm -hmm. We didn't really have any warnings. And um, just everything seemed to, we, it was a, a strange situation because we just knew that like the Facebook went off because they were mm. organizing the revolution over the Facebook. So that was off. Um, our TV happened to break at the same time, but we actually thought we, we wow. had no TV either. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had no really way of finding out what was going on. So mm-hmm. that was for around I know, about 12 hours or something. So we were mm-hmm. quite nervous when we couldn't yeah. tell, but we knew something was happening because we mm-hmm. could see people on the street and there were people carrying guns which um, mm. was quite frightening of course but we found out later they were actually just protecting their their street and their environment right and because there was looting and things going on but we were outside of the actual main center but um mm-hmm. we were very lucky um whilst um other friends tried to go to go internationally from the airport which was mm-hmm. really really busy we had a very clever uncle who um, Mm. organized very cheap flights to Sharm El Sheikh for us and then Mm. um, up to the UK. So Mm. we went the domestic route out 
so we got out fine um but yeah it was quite frightening like when we were going to the airport everything was you know very very busy there were armored tanks everywhere wow um and we just didn't really understand what was going on mm-hmm. i think that was the thing that was and we, we were quite young it was our first job right, so right. that was frightening but it was mm. also very weird going back home and mm. then watching on the tv mm. like the tanks you know going going over people basically mm-hmm. like the situation mm-hmm. really escalated when we went home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but we were just very sad and worried that we wouldn't go back um because yeah. you know we did like it um and also just nervous for the future and mm-hmm. i still think it there's still a very difficult future in mm-hmm. egypt it's mm-hmm. it's not you know it's still um it's changed the place an awful lot yeah um but I would still say, though, because like I've talked to you before as well, just the community you build when you're an international teacher is is really your family. Mm-hmm. Um, in that situation, a very close friend came to my apartment and we were kind of thinking we could just hold out and it'd be OK. Mm-hmm. And she just she was the one that said, no, I'm going to stay here until you book your flight. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we, actually, we felt told off. So we had to book our flight um, there and then with her. Um, and everyone did look out for each other. You know, we, we stayed mm-hmm. in contact and um we, we, we did all have a meeting about it and stuff. So we mm-hmm. never felt that we were on our own. Um, yeah, yeah. So that, that's the great thing because the school kind of becomes the community as well. Um, yes. Whereas in the UK, I don't think it works quite like that for us. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody mm-hmm. has their own lives outside of school. Right. Um, so I, I didn't feel terrified about it. I, it was unusual, but, you know, um, it wasn't as severe as some other revolutions mm-hmm. around the world, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like Myanmar, for example. So, yes. Um, yeah, we were fine. Um, but yeah, it was, it didn't put me off international teaching, of course. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a, oh, what an experience to go through and your first, you know, teaching position. Um, yeah. And thinking about Myanmar, I am in a group on Facebook. I teach AP psychology. So it's AP psychology teachers. And there was a teacher on there at that time when the revolution was happening in Myanmar. And he was like, kind of keeping us up to date from that perspective, um, Mm. really scary. But I think it's so important too, like if you know people Mm. who are in that location or like you were in Egypt and then you were able to go back to the UK, but like you have a different perspective than like what we see on the news, Mm. you know? And I think that those perspectives are important to share because often when we see things on the news, we just don't get the whole picture or the Mm. whole story or don't think about just the people that are living yeah. there, right? Like I'm yeah. sure that whole time you're probably thinking about the families and the children mm-hmm. like that you were, you know, and just the whole community yeah. you were a part of. That was great you were able to go back though and finish it and mm-hmm. everything was, you know, okay and you were safe. Um, yeah. <laughs> so moving on to, and I'm really curious about this, especially now um, bringing on some international teachers to this podcast is how the pandemic, um, you know, experience was for you as a teacher, but even just in, you know, um, living in Taiwan, you know, at mm. that time, um, mm. anything you want to share just about that whole time period, which when I mean, we're still in a pandemic, but particularly yeah. the height of it in like 2020. Yeah, well, ironically, the height of it here in Taiwan is now, right? Oh, that's now right. Living, yeah, so right. we, um, so we first heard about it, and it was very surreal in um, 2020 in February. Mm-hmm. Um, I met, this is the strangest story. You want a strange story? I'll t- definitely yeah. tell you one. I met, I met a friend who, um, 
who I'd known for a short while, but we clicked immediately. She's just hilarious, mm. very unusual. And um, she turned up, we went to look around a cat village because they exist in Taiwan with our oh. children. Um, and she was saying at that point, something's happening in Taiwan, something's happening, mm. it's in China. And she was wearing like, <clears throat> like a full on anorak and like a, mm. a face shield and a yeah. mask and everything. And I was like, gosh, she's just, what is she doing? You yeah. know, like me and my husband were just chuckling about it a little bit because she's, she's quirky. <laughs> um, and within that week, she was like, I'm mm. flying out. I'm not living here. I'm flying out. So she flew straight out of the country, said it, it's coming here. And oh. we just weren't nervous at all because we just thought it's another thing like bird flu or et cetera. Right. Right. But then we we came to the end of um, Chinese New Year and we heard it was becoming a big thing and um, it was very serious and they were going to close our school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just felt absolutely terrified because we're obviously right next to China. And I thought, right. you know, of all people, Europe are not going to get it. We're going to get this. Mm. Um, and, you know, we knew nothing about it. So mm-hmm. I was so grateful when the school shut. Um, mm-hmm. It was only for a short while and then we okay. reopened. But then Taiwan was all on this zero COVID policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and whilst that sounds great um, mm-hmm. and it has been good because I've been able to teach, um, it's also very difficult because mm-hmm. the following year, um, COVID um, started to creep back into Taiwan. They did manage to keep it zero as well. The following year, mm-hmm. around April um, 2021, it crept back in and the whole country just shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, the school went online. And it just got to the point where you couldn't go to a restaurant. You had to go to a supermarket um, and be really fast. It was like Mm. essential things only. Um, The beaches were shut. That that killed Mm. me all over the summer. Mm. Um, It was very difficult to travel out because we were very worried about coming back in because you wouldn't be allowed in, obviously. Um, And the quarantine was two weeks in Mm -hmm. a very expensive hotel or a government-run institution, which looked Mm -hmm. a bit much worse than a student boarding house um, Mm. with with the local food um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we couldn't do that with a seven-year-old either we wouldn't have wanted to yeah so um yeah so last year was very difficult was just everything was closed um but we did start the new school year again in class so that was brilliant but then again this year um come the start of may the same thing happened Mm. Um, but the taiwan decided to start letting omicron in so right now we're averaging around sixty thousand cases a day um And the school is shut. Um, we're finishing off the term closed, sadly. Mm. I got in for about a week and two days. I think it was in 10 weeks, mm-hmm. um, which is really disappointing as it's my last year here. But, yeah. um, you know, it's it's the way a lot of teachers are traveling at the end of this week. So mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. parents and families. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to catch COVID, basically. Right, right. Um, but thankfully, um, Taiwan's really opened up. It really mm-hmm. is just the school that's closed. So, um, you know, restaurants, beaches, everything's still going on as normal. And mm-hmm. actually, the interesting thing, I think, the most about being an observer in this situation is the people have changed their mindset completely. Mm. So where like a year ago where there was 100 cases a day, people were like not going out, um, mm-hmm. like playgrounds were all um, closed. Um, you know, people thought you were crazy doing anything outside and they're wearing the full protective gear. Mm-hmm. Now they're all in restaurants, you know, joking, mm-hmm. masks off, um, you know, to very crowded events. Street markets are all yeah. open and we've got really high cases. Um, so I'm pleased for that for Taiwan because otherwise they would just get left behind, you know. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're reducing mm. the quarantine to three days, which mm-hmm. you know, obviously allows for travel more and things. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's a better time to come to Taiwan now. If people yeah. are thinking about it. But yeah, yeah the, the past couple of years have been a bit isolating, honestly, not not being yeah. able to go home, not being able to travel mm-hmm. anywhere else um, can be quite trying. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's definitely changing for the better now. Is, do you think the mindset changing now too is also, I'm, I'm not sure what the vaccine rate is. The vaccine rate pretty it's high. high. Yeah, okay. it's pretty good. I think it's around 80%. Um, okay. That's great. Children, children are all vaccinated as yeah. well. Getting it. So yeah, it's very likely okay. for that reason. Mm-hmm. But I also worry that people rely on that too much, you know, and mm-hmm. think they mm-hmm. can still, you know, there still have to be a certain amount of caution. Right. Um, right. Right. You know, you can still catch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think maybe because, yeah, that 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 idea and I think because they know it's the safer variant. And I do feel lucky, to be honest, mm-hmm. that I've avoided like Delta, et cetera. Yeah. Um, that's been really nice. Delta was bad. Exactly. Very bad. I think, yeah. So I, I've got a lot to thank Taiwan for, really. Yeah. Um, although it's been quiet. <laughs> it's I mean, like, yeah. like, you know, like I've got on with lots of other things. So I think my career is really um you know, taken off since yeah. we've had this very quiet period. Um, yeah. So that, that's a good silver lining, I think, from this. Yeah. And you're transitioning out as well. It's so different. Um, and just being in America where it was the whole shutdown right away in March, 2020. Mm-hmm. And I'm in New Jersey. So in the Northeast, like really an hour and a half from New York City, which became like the epicenter of America. Mm an apocalypse <laughs> it looked so bad and then June 2020 came around and like okay we're opening everything up like it just was like <laughs> one extreme to the next and that's kind of mm. like America I guess um yeah. but now it's you know we had I would say the second half of our school year 2022 like I would say March April on totally pretty much normal you know mm-hmm. um it felt yeah. like back to school like normal mm-hmm. But I think it's, it is smart eventually to open up your country Mm -mm. and say like, this is now going into year three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, year two, but it's going to still be like probably into year three. Like you have to figure out a way to safely try to, to operate your country. Mm -mm. Um, But I think having high vaccination rates does help, but still having, you know, some precautions and um, you know, I mean, obviously the numbers you've seen in America are just bad. <laughs> so mm-hmm. really, really terrible, but it's like mm-hmm. at the point where you just have to kind of start to move along. Exactly. Um, and I think now we have the tools. So mm-hmm. in the future, if there is another pandemic or another, just, you know, endemic virus or something, we have the tools of public health safety that mm-hmm. hopefully we could institute again. I just, I think in America, they would never do a shutdown again. I don't think Mm. they would. (laughs) Whereas I think other places would, they're like, you know, we'll do this temporarily. Mm. Um, But that's, you know, it's great that it is, you know, at a place where it was safe when it was really bad, right? You were closed down. I mean, Delta was bad. Mm. Um, And that now they're able to start opening up too. And Taiwan went through the SARS as well. So I think this really really influenced them whilst the Western world didn't as much, did they? So. Right. I think that's why, I mean, Europe was terrible, their, their reaction, you know, you know, the UK. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't even need to say anything about that. It's no. shocking. Yeah. UK um, and America are like almost the same. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. But it's, it's good to feel like we're kind of moving out of this. Um, hmm. You know, our vaccine rate has been going up as well. It was a very slow process, but um, now I think we have the approval for the littlest ones, like you know, okay. infants to five, they just approved mm-hmm. it. So now we'll have, you know, coverage for all school age kids, which is good. Super. Yeah. 
So my last question for you and kind of, um, I think the one that um, hopefully everyone really is interested in listening to are the ideas, because this is like my space for educators to really share their ideas for educational reform, what that looks like. You know, I started this looking at America, but even just education in general from your own, you know, um, perspective and being in different countries or just anything else you want to share about the kind of the future moving us forward into progressing in education? Yeah, I think um, on an education side of things, I feel having my own daughter has really opened my eyes to a lot of things, a lot of problems in education. Mm -hmm. Um, As you know, like I'm an early years teacher, so we follow very much a child-led pedagogy and education. Um, All our our lessons are very bite-sized and they're tailored Mm -hmm. to the children. And we really sort of work with them on their own learning journey. Um, We have the luxury of being able to do that because we have the youngest children. Um, For me, I would think this would be a wonderful thing the whole way up um, primary Mm -hmm. school, basically. I feel education seems to have shifted down. So Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. I see in my daughter's homework, who is seven, I know Mm -hmm. I was doing in high school. Um, Wow. And it it just shocks me, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's like her brain cannot cope with it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. she's a seven year old brain. I mean, she's coping with more now. She's turning eight because, you know, her. Mm-hmm. she's able to she's at the right stage but she still struggles so I feel with children their self-esteem just gets knocked back so much mm-hmm. um working internationally the the solution the parents have is just tutor 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 yeah so unfortunately the level of requirement for the teacher in the classroom is to differentiate to to that level so this is where there's a massive problem I mm-hmm. feel I feel mm-hmm. we need to go back we need to strip back and mm-hmm. well-being should be a subject really mm-hmm. um it should be as important as, um, you know, English and math and um, mm-hmm. science because um, kids really, really need it. Um, and especially when we put more demands on them like that. Yeah, um, you know, This is one of my reasons I, I'm moving to a much smaller school, um, a, a less um, strongly academic school, a school that's more centered in sport. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm really, really hopeful um, that she mm-hmm. will have a lovely time there. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to be a lead as well in um, CBD and training. So I'm hoping I can bring in some, some you know, whole school well-being. Mm-hmm. I really I think that. I have some places in place. But I mean, it's funny, as a, as a mother, I found I'd be more devoted to doing these sort of things because mm-hmm. I hadn't realized before as a teacher. I really mm-hmm. haven't. Because when they leave you and go home, you don't know mm-hmm. then they go home and might say you know I c- couldn't do my maths again today yeah. I didn't understand when the teacher did this um you know they're frightened to raise their hand etc and mm. I just think um well I think this has been said so many times in education that we just need to step back and really reflect mm. on what do they yeah. really need what we need to build a, a foundation for them leave the hardest stuff to high school yeah. you know, like we had um right. and I loved primary school And I mean, that's maybe one reason I want to work in one. I did not like high school. Um, I didn't either. It was so intense and so hard. And I feel those pressures are being placed on them when they're so young. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of um, as educators, as I've talked to you about already, Mm -hmm. um, I think we need to work together more. Um, Mm -hmm. We need to collaborate more and help more. Um, I joined a really great group here, um, Women Ed, um, which I've told you about previously, mm-hmm. but I set it up in Taiwan because there's very few women ed groups in Taiwan. There's just um, Singapore as a very small one, Thailand and Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So we're a group of women that basically support one another through mm-hmm. um, conferences and webinars, um, through just DMs and Zoom meetings. So for example, I knew I was going for this leadership post in CBD. 
I put it on Twitter. Could I please have some advice and mm. sort of, um, you know, hashtag women ed. And there mm. was articles sent to me. There was like mm. 10 comments. And then I had a head from a school in Malaysia say to me, can I call you in two hours? Wow. And I was just, I was really taken aback, you know, and you're like, no, <laughs> I'd rather DM. <laughs> like, no, no, we need to talk. And she just went through the interview and everything I should be saying. I sent wow. her um, like my list of things I wanted to talk about. And she said, yes, you're just listing everything you've done, but you need to talk about how you're going to impact the school. And she talked mm. me through answers and I did get the job. So it's great. But yeah. I mean, she gave me the confidence because yeah. she even boosted me in before we did that. So yeah. But my vision for women there, particularly in Taiwan, was to help all women in education at every single level and especially mm -hmm. aspiring teachers, because mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. quite a few that I know that just lack the confidence. They think they can't do it. One example was I talked to um, a colleague and she just cried. She started crying mm -hmm. and I was saying to her, I think you're wonderful. I think the work you do, you know. I gave her specific things I'd seen really mm -hmm. impacts on the children. You know, you're an absolute, um, you're just so fantastic to work with. And she said she hadn't heard that before. Wow. And it's just, you know, it's, it's these, these sort of things that I think really, really help. But also mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. we had not only zoom events, but we also had um, close get togethers all together. Um, so we hired a room and it was just a group of strangers um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. talking. We had um, some speakers about leadership and working in education and then we just opened a forum for a discussion and it was it it mm. reminded me of like a knitting group perhaps yeah. because everyone just poured their soul out and people mm. were talking about mental health issues they're mm. talking about all kind of very very personal um things but we all just shared yeah. you know and, and reassured yeah. each other and to me this was just such a, a warm and incredible feeling mm. um and I hope I can get that back again when I move to Poland hopefully I'll set something like that up again when I find okay. the right people for it yeah um so I think we need a lot more of that. We need to help each yeah. other a lot more. Yes. Um, you know, it goes beyond just sharing planning and ideas. Right. I think we need to support each other. Um, and I think we need more, more organizations like that um, mm -hmm. that just do it out of kindness and for free because, you know, yeah. it's, we're not on huge salaries as teachers, No. Um, but we're all very giving. And I think mm -hmm. um, that's a very special organization to me. And mm. I feel really lucky to be part of it. Yeah, that's really inspirational. So I will link that in the show notes as well um, about Women Ed, if anyone wants to check that out. I just recently checked out the organization in the United States. I'm not on Twitter, so I don't know if I need to get on Twitter to fully like access all of the conversations, but I think I, I think I will. I, I'll eventually start tweeting. It'll it's be worth my, it for that, honestly. Yeah, just for, I, I just followed just them for a long time and I just yeah. met all these lovely women through it and you know, we chat mm. to each other. Like, obviously, I was looking for work this year. Great for networking. I met lots of deputies yeah. and heads. So, like, mm. immediately you're in. Mm -hmm. aren't you? Like, yeah. they know you. Um, yeah. Great. It's such great. a like niche group, and I think that's mm. important because I love that you put something out there, and like right away, you got feedback, articles, you got this mm. call to do interview practice, mm. all for free. Where there's a lot of people out there, like coaches, that want yeah. you know, you got to pay for that got to pay for yeah. that kind of um, mm -hmm. practice and support. So I love that so much. And just the whole mm -hmm. idea of teachers need to connect and collaborate more. I mm -hmm. agree 100% because one thing I think that was really hard over the pandemic, and I'm hoping this changes next year and our schedule's changing slightly to give more time to teachers to get together and collaborate. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was the last two years in my perspective. And I would say for many 
was so isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, you already sometimes feel like you're on your own little island as a teacher. Yeah. And not again, not just like collaborating for lessons, but just to even be able to connect with one another and talk about what we were going through together. It didn't exist. It didn't exist, mm-hmm. at least in what I was experiencing in my culture. And the one kind of before I came on to like the more online based communities, the one community, little community I do have at my school, which I'm very grateful for is called I'm at a friend's school. So it's a Quaker school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have this um, group called CFG critical friends group. And it's a group mm-hmm. of um, like five or six teachers. And we yeah. meet like once a month. And the goal is to work through something you're going through in the classroom, whether that's oh, like a nice. dilemma. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you get feedback mm-hmm. or I have this project idea or lesson mm-hmm. idea and I want maybe to flesh it out more. But we mm-hmm. always start the meeting. I have a really great group too. Like they're very open and like humorous people. So it's great. Um, it's great. We always start the meeting with food, which is great because yeah. food sharing now that we're able to do that again, I think always mm-hmm. like relaxes people mm-hmm. and allows You're them right. to want to talk. Yeah, And then we always start with like a check-in, like, how are you mm-hmm. doing? How are things? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it becomes almost like a therapy session. Like it just yeah, feels yeah. so cathartic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we get into the work and mm-hmm. then we've done some social things um, outside of that when we w- were able to, and I think hopefully that'll come back around next year, but the last two years, at least I had that, even when we can only do it on zoom or do it mm-hmm. in, you know, small capacity um, because teachers really need to lean on each other. And I okay. believe mm-hmm. every new teacher and even like new to a school, not just new to teaching, needs a mentor. Um, yeah. We have a pretty good new teacher uh, program, but again, that was challenged during the pandemic too. So I'm hoping that gets to be at a, a better place next year. But um, and when you don't have it, you burn out even faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't. I think you did online teaching too, didn't you? Yeah, it's it's a totally different job to me. It's it's almost like being back in an office. It's, it's it is. Um, yeah. It's not the same thing. And I think that can yeah. be really, really off-putting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're just a new teacher and you yeah. go into that. It's not. Yeah. Like oh. So I'm, I'm hoping that this will change in 2022, 2023 school year, mm-hmm. um, that we'll get that light back. I think we yeah. all need some light, but teachers connecting yeah. with one another will help. And that mm-hmm. women ed is great program. Again, anyone listening, mm-hmm. I would check it out if you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I'm like really excited to get onto uh, more involved with that. And I will start a Twitter for the first time okay. in my life. <laughs> Guys are also very welcome as well. Don't, don't think it's, you know, it's a, a man yeah. bashing because it really isn't. It's more like we, yeah. it's, the whole idea is to try to get women into leadership in schools. Yeah. We're not represented in leadership. So yeah. we know we need um, help of our male allies as well. Right, so right. there's plenty yeah. of really nice men on there as well. Yeah. So, um, both men and female can join. Yeah. Yes, that's great. I love the whole concept. Um, before we end here, any other, um, anything else you want to share or you can plug if you will, or any other ideas? Um, I would just say, if you are curious about being an international teacher, mm. I do think anyone should try it. I mean, most contracts are around two years, maximum three. So it's a very short time to go try something out. Then mm. I would really go for it. I offer, like, I have a free Facebook site, which I set up called okay. um, New to International Schools Teachers. 
which has a lot of veteran teachers on there as well. And mm. it's a really kind site. One of the rules is you've got to be nice. You cannot, no, no matter no. how silly a question is, you cannot say anything negative, yeah. silly to you. I mean, because everybody has a lot of worries. So um, check out that. Um, okay. I obviously have a, a book, which you mentioned as well. Um, it's just a, a more of a guide. Um, and I did quite a lot of research to get the chapters together for that through like ex-heads and colleagues and things to, to make sure my information was accurate but it talks mm. you through the whole process of becoming an international teacher but also the aftermath when you land mm. and you don't know what's happening and um, explains all of that as well um, yeah and it also has lots of teacher stories in it which I really mm. it wasn't a chapter I was going to do but my editor really recommended I should and that was actually the most interesting part I feel mm. so lots of interviews with different teachers who are um you know with children without children and also mm -hmm. training spouses and um so it gives you an insight of what life can be um, mm. in an international teacher. That's wonderful. I could put all of that in the show notes about um, your Facebook group and your book and, of course, oh, Women Ed. So thank yeah. you. Thank you so um, much. I learned so much today and I, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to, A, have met you, um, but have this conversation because, uh, again, I've dabbled a little bit in international teaching, but not long-term. And so uh, just learned so much about your experience. So thank you, Jess. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really, really lovely. Yes. Thank and you. good luck in Poland. Um, oh, that, yes. That new position in school sounds really great. So yeah. I will love to stay in contact and hear about your experience there. Okay. Take care. Thank you, Jackie. Bye. Bye.